0: Chapter Twelve of Muslin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by La Sanlavoy of Swansea, Illinois. Muslin by George Moore. Chapter Twelve. The result of this missive was that next morning the servants whispered. "'that someone had been out about the house "'on the preceding evening. "'Olive and Barnes sat talking for hours, "'and one day, unable to keep her counsel any longer, "'Olive told her sister what had happened. "'The letter that Barnes had taken "'across the field for her had,' she declared, "'frightened Edward out of his senses. "'He had come rushing through the snow "'and had spoken with her "'for full five minutes under her window.' He loved her to distraction, and the next day she had received a long letter, full of references to his colonel, explaining how entirely against his will and desire he had been forced to accept the invitation to go and shoot at the Lawlers. Alice listened quietly, as if she doubted whether Captain Hibbert would have died of consumption or heartache if Olive had acted otherwise, and then advised her sister quietly. And— Convinced that her duty was to tell her mother everything, she waited for an occasion to speak. Mr. Barton was passing down the passage to his studio. Olive was racing upstairs to Barnes. Mrs. Barton had her hand on the drawing-room door, and she looked round surprised when she saw that her daughter was following her. "'I want to speak to you, mamma. "'Come in, dear.' Alice shut the door behind her. How bare and untidy the room looks at this season of the year. Really, you and Olive ought to go into the conservatory and see if you can't get some geraniums. Yes, Mamma, I will presently. But it was about Olive that I wanted to speak, said Alice in a strained and anxious way. What a bore that girl is with her serious face, thought Mrs. Barton. But she laughed coaxingly and said, <laughs> What has my graved-faced daughter to say, the learned keeper of the family's wisdom? Even more than Olive's, for they were less sincere, Mrs. Barton's trivialities jarred, and Alice's ideas had already begun to slip from her, and feeling keenly the inadequacy of her words, she said, Well, Mamma, I wanted to ask you if Olive is going to marry Captain Hibbert. "'It was now for Mrs. Barton to look embarrassed. "'Well, really, I don't know. "'Nothing is arranged. "'I never thought about the matter. "'What could have made you think "'she was going to marry Captain Hibbert? "'In my opinion, they aren't at all suited to each other. "'Why do you ask me?' "'Because I have heard you speak of Lord Kilcarny "'as a man you would like Olive to marry. "'And, if this be so,' i thought i had better tell you about captain hibbert i think she is very much in love with him oh nonsense it is only to kill time a girl must amuse herself somehow it was on alice's lips to ask her mother if she thought such conduct quite right but checking herself she said i am afraid people are talking about it and that surely is not desirable but why do you come telling me these stories she said. Why, mamma? because I thought it right to do so. The word right was unpleasant, but, recovering her temper, which for years before had never failed her, Mrs. Barton returned to her sweet little flattering manners. Of course, of course, my dear girl, but you do not understand me. What I mean to say is— have you any definite reason for supposing that olive is in love with captain hibbert and that people are talking about it i think so mamma said the girl deceived by this expression of goodwill you remember when the scullies came here well violet was up in our room and we were showing her our dresses the conversation somehow turned on captain hibbert and when violet said that she had seen him that day As they came along in the carriage, shooting with the Lawlers, Olive burst out crying and rushed out of the room. It was very awkward. Violet said she was very sorry and all that, but... Yes, yes, dear, but why was Olive angry at hearing that Captain Hibbert went out shooting with the Lawlers? Because, it appears, she had previously forbidden him to go there, you know, on account of Mrs. Lawler. And what happened then? Well, that's the worst of it. I don't mean to say it was all Olive's fault. I think she must have lost her head a little, for she sent Barnes over that evening to the Lawlers with a note, telling Captain Hibbert that he must come at once and explain. It was eleven o'clock at night, and they had a long talk through the window. Mrs. Barton did not speak for some moments. The peat fire was falling into masses of white ash, and she thought vaguely of putting on more turf. Then her attention was caught by the withering ferns in the flower-glasses, then by the soaking pasture-lands, then by the spiky branches of the chestnut-trees swinging against the grey dead sky. "'But tell me, Alice,' she said at last, for of course it is important that I should know. Do you think that Olive is really in love with Captain Hibbert? She told me, as we were going to bed the other night, Mama, that she never could care for anyone else. And, and, and what, dear? I don't like to betray my sister's confidence, Alice answered, but I'm sure I had better tell you all. She told me that he had kissed her many times, and no later than yesterday, in the conservatory indeed you did very well to let me know of this said mrs barton becoming as earnestly inclined as her daughter alice i am sorry that olive was so foolish i must speak to her about it this must not occur again i think that if you were to tell her to come down here oh no mamma olive would know at once that i had been speaking about her affairs you must promise me to make only an indirect use of what i have told you Of course, of course, my dear Alice, no one shall ever know what has passed between us. You can depend upon me. I will not speak to Olive till I get a favorable opportunity. And now I have to go and see after the servants. Are you going upstairs? Aunt Alice, tense with the importance of the explanation, this dismissal fell not a little chillingly but she was glad that she had been able to induce her mother to consider the matter seriously. A few minutes passed dreamily, almost unconsciously. Mrs. Barton threw two sods of turf on the fire and resumed her thinking. Her first feeling of resentment against her eldest daughter had vanished, and now she thought solely of the difficulty she was in and how she could best extricate herself from it. So... Olive was foolish enough to allow Captain Hibbert to kiss her in the conservatory, Mrs. Barton murmured to herself. The morality of the question interested her profoundly. She had never allowed anyone to kiss her before she was married, and she was full of pity and presentiment for the future of a young girl who could thus compromise herself. But in Olive's love for Captain Hibbert, Mrs. Barton was concerned only so far as it affected the labor and time "'that would have to be expended in persuading her to cease to care for him.' "'That this was the right thing to do, Mrs. Barton did not for a moment doubt. "'Her daughter was a beautiful girl, would probably be the belle of the season. "'Therefore, to allow her, at nineteen, to marry a -a thousand-a-year captain would be, "'Mrs. Barton thought, to prove herself incapable, if not criminal.' in the performance of the most important duty of her life. Mrs. Barton trembled when she thought of the sending of the letter. If the story were to get wind in Dublin, it might wreck her hopes of the Marquise. Therefore, to tell Barnes to leave the house would be fatal. Things must be managed gently, very gently. Olive must be talked to. How far her heart was engaged in the matter must be found out and she must be made to see the folly the madness of risking her chance of winning a coronet for the sake of a beggarly thousand a year captain and good heavens the chaperons what would they say of her mrs barton were such a thing to occur mrs barton turned from the thought in horror and then out of the soul of the old coquette arose full-fledged the chaperon the satellite whose light and glory is dependent on that of the fixed star around which she revolves. At this moment, Olive, her hands filled with ferns, bounced into the room. "'Oh, here you are, Mama. Alice told me you wanted a few ferns and flowers to brighten up the room.' "'I hope you haven't got your feet wet, my dear. If you have, you had better go up at once and change.' olive was now more than ever like her father her shoulders had grown wider and the blonde head and scarlet lips had gained a summer brilliance and beauty no i am not wet she said looking down at her boots it isn't raining but if it were alice would send me out all the same where is she now up in her room reading i suppose she never stirs out of it i thought when we came home from school the last time that we would be better friends but do you know what i think alice is a bit sulky what do you think mamma to talk of alice to suggest that she was a little jealous to explain the difficulty of the position she occupied to commiserate and lavish much pity upon her was no doubt a fascinating subject of conversation it had burned in the brains of mother and daughter for many months. But, too wise to compromise herself with her children, Mrs. Barton resisted the temptation to gratify a vindictiveness that rankled in her heart. She said, "'Alice has not yet found her beau cavalier. We shall see when we are at the castle if she will remain faithful to her books.' I am afraid that Miss Alice will then prefer some gay, dashing young officer to her Marmion and her Lara. I should think so indeed. She says that the only man she cares to speak to in the county is Dr. Reed, that little frumpy fellow with his medicines. I can't understand her. I couldn't care for anyone but an officer. This was the chance Mrs. Barton required and she instantly availed herself of it the red coat fever she exclaimed waving her hands there is no one like officers pour faire passer le temps yes ma cried olive proud of having understood so much french doesn't time pass quickly with them it flies my dear and they fly away and then we take up with another they are all nice Their profession makes them that. But some are nicer than others. For instance, I am sure they are not all as handsome as Captain Hibbert. Oh, indeed they are, said Mrs. Barton, laughing. Wait until we get to Dublin. You have no idea what charming men we shall meet there. We shall find a lord, or an earl, or perhaps a marquise. "'who will give a coroneted carriage "'to my beautiful girl to drive in.' "'Olive tossed her head, "'and her mother looked at her admiringly, "'and there was love in the sweet brown deceit "'of the melting eyes, "'a hard, worldly affection, "'but a much warmer one than any Mrs. Barton "'could feel for Alice, "'in whom she saw nothing but failure, "'and in the end, spiritual spinsterhood. "'After a pause,' she said, what a splendid match Lord Kilconny would be. And where would he find a girl like my Olive to do the honors of his house? Oh, mamma, I never could marry him. And why not, my dear girl? I don't know. He's a silly little fool. Besides, I like Captain Hibbert. Yes, you like Captain Hibbert. So do I. But a girl like you could not throw herself away on a thousand a year captain in the army, and why not, Mamma said, Olive, who had already begun to whimper, Captain Heber loves me, I know very dearly, and I like him. He is a very good family, and he has enough to support me. The moment was a supreme one, and Mrs. Barton hesitated to strike and bring the matter to a head. Would it be? better she asked herself to let things go by and use her influence for the future in one direction after a brief pause she decided on the former course she said my dear child neither your father nor myself could ever consent to see you throw yourself away on captain hibbert i am afraid you have seen too much of him and have been led away into caring for him but take my word for it a girl's love is only a fleur de peau when you have been to a few of the castle balls you'll soon forget all about him remember you are not twenty yet it would be madness oh mamma i didn't think you were so cruel exclaimed olive as she rushed out of the room mrs barton made no reply but her resolve was rapidly gaining strength in her mind olive's flirtation was to be brought at once to a close captain hibbert she would admit no more and the girl was in turn to be wheedled and coerced nor did mrs barton for a moment doubt that she would succeed she had never tasted failure and she stayed only a moment to regret for she was too much a woman of the world to waste time in considering her mistakes the needs of the moment were ever present to her and now she devoted herself entirely to the task of consoling her daughter. Barnes, too, was well instructed, and henceforth she spoke only of the earls, dukes, lords, and princes who were waiting for Olive at the castle. In the afternoon, Mrs. Barton called Olive into the drawing-room, where woman was represented as a triumphant creature walking over the heads and hearts of men. Le gené de la femme est la beauté," declared my lord, and again, le cœur de l'homme ne peut servir qu'est des pieds de pour l'idole. Oh, my lord, my lord," said Mrs. Barton. "So, in worshipping us, you are idolaters. I'm ashamed of you. Pardon, pardon, Madame. Des de faux on est idolatré. mais." on and in such lugubrious gaiety the girl grieved captain hibbard had been refused admission he had written but his letters had been intercepted and holding them in her hand mrs barton explained that she could not consent to such a marriage and continued to dazzle the girl with the vision of the honours that awaited the future marchioness of kilcarney "'An engaged girl is not noticed at the castle. "'You don't know what nice men you'll meet there. "'Have your fun out first. were the arguments most frequently put forward, "'and, in the excitement of breaking off Olive's engagement, "'even the land league was forgotten. "'Olive hesitated, but at length allowed herself to be persuaded "'to at least try to captivate the Marquise "'before she honored the captain with her hand.' No sooner said than done. Mrs. Barton lost not a moment in writing to Captain Hibbert, asking him to come and see them the following day, if possible, between eleven and twelve. She wanted to speak to him on a matter which had lately come to her knowledge, and which had occasioned her a good deal of surprise. End of chapter twelve Recording by Lysanne Lavoy